Hello, everybody. Welcome back to ClapperCast. I'm your host, as always, Carson Tamar, joined by a very special guest today, Ewan Gletto. We got him on the schedule despite his busy schedule. Ewan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, apart from... I, I, I'll apologize in advance if I just kind of switch over to these sunglasses, but I can't see anything out my left eye because um, I, I like to go through the walls before I make podcast appearances, so I've had a few months rest and now I'm ready to put my life, body and soul on the line. Um, as ever, but other than that, doing good. Moved to my dream city, and all I do these days is make spaghetti bolognese. So, all right, I really would love to know Clappercast's audience opinion of you because I think it should be very good. But let's be fair, I think our appearances we go from <laughs> you going on a hike to see some sort of animal to you yeah. losing your hearing to now losing your mm-hmm. eyesight. So it's just yeah, I, I imagine it's a unique yeah. image, I guess I should say. Um, I. Yeah, like Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump kind of image. And then at the end of it, I'm kind of looking a bit better. But, right. I, you know, I, I haven't been on Clappercast in about two or three years. Like the last one I did was for the trial of the Chicago 7. Which oh, was, that is uh, a while ago, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. a while ago. I, I watched that when I had no hearing, actually. So made it better. Probably a better way to watch that, actually. Oh, yeah. I, I <laughs> cool and more enjoyable when you're deaf. But... <laughs> um. Absolutely. Um, so you know, just very quickly, can you tell everyone where you write for? Because I want to explain kind of why I specifically invited you on here. Uh, yeah. Where can I mean, we find I, I, your words? Oh, I mean, cult following is the big one, isn't it? The old the old music yes. journalism. Um, I also do bits and pieces for sort of like Daily Star, Daily Mirror. Um, I haven't written for Clapper in ages. I'm very sorry. Um yeah, I think cult following is the main one, isn't it? Where I do all like my music stuff. Yeah. And I am. Um, so, yeah. The point is number one, real journalist. Number real two, journal- <laughs> real music journalist. And today real we're actual. talking about kind of, I, I mean, I cannot think of anyone better to have on in a more professional sense to review Miss Americana, Taylor Swift's 2020 documentary, following. Uh, on paper, I'm going to say it's saying it's following the recording of her uh, album, Miss Americana, or Lover, mm. excuse me. Um, oh. I don't know if it in practice if it really is that, but um, yeah. let's go ahead. Let's take a look at the film and then we'll come back and we'll talk about Miss Americana. Just going to go have fun. No one out there that I know of in the audience actively hates me. Not get dead face. Ready to do this? Ready. Totally ready. Throughout my whole career, label executives would just say, a nice girl doesn't force their opinions on people. A nice girl smiles and waves and says thank you. I became the person everyone wanted me to be. I, I think that Taylor Swift, she is annoying. All of her model friends. She's too good. guys like a trick. She's too skinny. Nobody physically saw me for a year. And that was what I thought they wanted. I had to deconstruct an entire belief system, toss it out, and reject it. Okay, Ewan, I'm going to turn it over to you again, because first I just want to ask, I want to get a base level for both of us. Would uh, you consider yourself a Swifty? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I am. Um, in lockdown, I listened to all, almost all of the records. The only ones I've not listened to are the debut and Speak Now, but I was saving Speak Now for when Taylor's version came out, and I've not got around to it yet. Sure. I, I love Taylor Swift's music. I think she's an incredible lyricist and more importantly, an incredible performer. Um, it, it's always a pleasure to talk about Taylor Swift. Um, and I, I think Midnight's was one of the albums I was looking forward to most last year. Now, it, granted, it wasn't the best Swift album. 
feel like the Antonov production is getting a little tiresome. But <laughs> sure, it sure. was a new Taylor Swift album, and I was quite excited for it. So when, when you told me, oh, we're doing Miss Americana, I was like, oh, I remember watching that back before I listened to any other music, and I fucking hated it because I didn't know what Taylor Swift was. Um, so now I'm like brushed up and I've rewatched it and it's it's all clicking together in my what's left in my brain. If but. anyone needs to see development, I would highly recommend you go over to Letterboxd and check out Ewan's Meadow original <laughs> review from Miss Americana, where I think he specifically calls out, he's like, I'm not a Swifty. I don't like Taylor Swift. All I've listened to her is her red album, which is shit. Um, no, that's the thing. See. <laughs> I, I was clearly eating glue at the time of that review because the Red <laughs> Album is probably one of the best. Uh, like, I, I don't want to bring up the topic already, but what is the best Taylor Swift album? Right, it's it's folklore, but you know, all all folklore all over. Which I'm I'm glad this documentary's about love. It's kind of, but not really. Like you mentioned, it's <laughs> it's more an amalgamation of a lot of. Very personal and deep things that a lot of documentaries are now taking for granted, but this feels like it actually has an earnestness to it, which is trying to connect with someone that it's impossible for people to connect with Taylor Swift because she's she's not a person anymore. She's like a a, a brand. Right. She's too. It's like Harry Styles or Louis Capaldi or you know. It's like she's that an level. idea. She's turned into she's Barbie concept, from yeah. Barbie. She has. She <laughs> honestly has. It's, it's terrifying as well because you look at people like. You know, the members of One Direction, for instance, Niall Horan, like the, the fandom culture that surrounds artists like this really does put me off listening to some of them. And it right. did put me off Taylor Swift for some time. But, you know, you just got to cut through those channels and appreciate that she is a really, really talented singer and artist, regardless of the 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 forming at the mouth fans who don't want me <laughs> to say that, you know, Evermore could be a bit better. Right. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. I definitely am a Swifty. Um, it took me a long time to get into her. Up until, like, I remember Reputation was the first, like, album I was, like, around for. And I was like, yeah. oh, it's good. I was somewhat critical of it. And then I remember, like, hardcore hating on her going into Lover. And I was like, oh, it's like, I hate Taylor Swift. Not my, Just not my girly. And I listened to Lover, and I was like, fuck, guys, I actually <laughs> like this. Um, and now full-blown, we're doing this podcast to celebrate the end of the U.S. Uh, leg of the Eras tour, which also means I'm going to Taylor Swift, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Um, but all that being said, I was excited to revisit Miss Americana because, again, I also didn't really know Taylor Swift at the time. I thought it was a fine documentary, but like I love part of me. I love Five Foot Two. I love these documentaries capturing these artists that yeah. I really enjoy. <clears throat> so I was really excited to revisit Miss Americana. Um, and I guess I can start quickly because I'm not going to lie, I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> Um, not to say the documentary shit, and I think it has a lot of good elements. Um, what really struck me was just how relentlessly messy this film was. Um, if I try to boil down what is Miss Americana, what is the narrative here, what's our structure, what are we building towards, it doesn't feel like the film has an answer until it then radically changes in the last quarter and becomes a message about politics and about speaking up about politics and standing for what you believe in. And there are moments throughout this runtime, and we'll get to them, where I think it is really worthwhile. I think it's really raw. I think it's really important. Um, I think it's really fun at times, especially if you are a Swift fan. I mean, kind of living in an iconic moment is that when they're recording Getaway Car, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people quote that and just love that moment. Um, 
But as a film, I struggle to see how this all comes together. It's one of those films that feels like it was impacted by COVID and you see the 2020 release and you're like, oh, it's probably just due to COVID. And then you realize it came out in January. So not really. Um, it, it was, it's a weird watch. What were your initial thoughts on Miss Americana, Ewan? Kind of what you said there, but I think it's, um, there's a lot of spin and plates going on and a lot of sort of deeply personal stuff that is difficult to include in a documentary, especially about someone that is a megastar. But I appreciate at the same time that they have included it, even if there isn't, you know, the time to actually dig into the details. Someone with that schedule, someone with that much going on, it must be difficult to even sort of breach any of those subjects, let alone, <clears throat> excuse me, fucking <clears throat> the southern air is killing me off. Um, but, you know, there's a, there is a lot to contain in what is essentially, it's not too long of a documentary by today's standards. Like you look at documentaries and think, oh, okay, now I'm going to have to sit for two and a half hours and watch this. Miss Americana's really cut and shut, and I do think that's part of it because it's a Netflix film, it's made for the streaming service, it's made for the Swifty fans who want a glimpse behind the curtain. Now, with that comes the sort of... I'm glad you mentioned Five Foot Two because that is an extraordinary documentary on Lady Gaga and probably is one of the best music documentaries we've had in the past, I'd say, decade. Um, because you look at things like the Lewis Capaldi documentary that released recently, it is more fan service than documentary. It's more, here's a glimpse behind the camera, here's what the artist wants you to see. You never really get that feeling with Miss Americana, but the offset of that is it does feel really quite messy and just a bit all over the place. I understand it's trying to follow the timeline along as best it can, but there are ways of fixing that and making it a bit clearer. Um, I mean, she did the, the Long Pond Studio Sessions, which obviously isn't the same sort of documentary, but does have a lot of meaning behind the folklore songs. She did that really well really enjoyed that it reminded me of the bruce springsteen's letters to you where he did the same thing black and white in a studio explain the reasons of the songs perform a few perfect obviously miss americana would lose a lot if it did that on the offset though it is if it's meant to be sort of showing us what the build-up and fallout of the lover was then it really didn't do that good of a job it's um it's a bit all over the place in the wrong ways but there's enough detail and information that to make it at least interesting to watch which is at the baseline, the foundation level, if you're going into a documentary about a subject or an artist you're interested in, the the, the first step is learning something new that you didn't know about the artist. And absolutely, Miss Americana does yeah. that, get that lovely check off straight away. It's just where it falls apart later on when it's starting to build and build and build. And you're thinking, well, that's a lot of tragedy and trauma and horrible issues that really you can sympathize with absolutely, but there is no way of tying them together, which is, you know. Right is what it is but yeah i mean i also will add that like i think it also just like there is a element of boldness here and an element of like i would not expect you know a celebrity culture is a lot of like protecting one's image it's a lot of you know playing it safe and there's a lot here that like i am genuinely shocked that there is a scene where like she's having an open conversation with her family about going into politics and she would include her dad being like don't do it like, that feels like a bold choice that you wouldn't normally include. Things about her body image, I thought, were very honest and very raw. Like, I'll give you that. I think this screams in those moments of vulnerability and its best moments. Like, this is honest, that this is real, and that it's a very important thing. Like, Taylor Swift truly cares about being honest, um, which I think is good to watch. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it really is in those moments of narrative. I mean, just the opening, it goes from the Reputation Stadium Tour to Grammy nominations, which never come back, really. We don't really 
ever get any payoff for that. So I don't know why it was no. there. To recording Lover, to then recording Reputation, then it goes through her career. Uh, you get all this stuff from her past, and then she's talking about how she loved her past, and then she's talking about how she hates her past. It's a very weird narrative. And I also think, like, if you are a Swifty, how this film treats reputation is very strange, considering reputation's kind of thesis is like, I'm done with the narrative, I'm done playing the games, I'm here to be honest, be myself, and call people out. And this f- film comes at a point after reputation where she's like, oh, I like want to be honest now, and I want to be myself now. And it's like, well, then what was reputation? And also there's this whole thing about like, oh, I'm so done trying to get the validation of others. I'm so done trying to get the validation of like you know, people, just strangers. Yet then you also frame the entire start of this film with the pressure from not getting the Grammy nominations. And that seems like an inspiration for Lover. And it was just like, again, it was very odd in the beginning. And I bet you they just didn't. Like what this screams is that they didn't have a plan going in. They wanted to set up potential for narrative through lines and just none of them panned out. I feel like probably in the edit then you cut some of that out and you make it a little bit cleaner. But again, as you mentioned, it's rather quick. It's only like an hour, 20 minutes. Um, so I don't know how much they really even had to use. Um, but it definitely was. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just messy. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I mean, obviously part of that is not, not the failure of Lana Wilson. I think Lana Wilson is the director here. Just a solid job. As good as any director could do with a documentary that finds essentially a megastar in a transitional period, not really sure of what's coming next, where to go after reputation, because reputation, I don't think people remember how controversial it was before it even released with the the calligraphy and then the subject matter. And it's a really deep album. And it, honest to God, it is one of my favorites of us. I really do enjoy reputation. However, the, the crucial part that this documentary is missing is the core of which everything else is circling around. What is the real focus? And there isn't one which I get, you know, it, it does well to sort of look into the sort of the internet culture, like you said, that sort of celebrity wow factor, which as a side is absolutely terrifying. And it, I appreciate that the documentary looks into it. You know, I, I made the mistake of criticizing Niall Horan's new album and people asked if I hated the Irish. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, we, we've all had our strokes with fame, but for Taylor Swift, it's essentially... I always think of Taylor Swift in sort of moments that are outside of her career. You know, you always think of the Kanye West stage performance and those bits are always going to be attached to her regardless of whether or not she likes it or not. So really Miss Americana is missing this huge opportunity to look into a transitional period where, if anything, the albums that followed on from Lover were just a strip back, a bare essential album of just really reconnecting with the roots that inspired her to do her own music. Now you can argue reputation that, like you said, it's the sort of the clean slate, wipe it, wipe it from memory. But then to do a documentary that is going against that grain that she's just said is very confusing and it feels a bit, you know, misplaced and confused. And certainly the, the amount that's going on in the documentary doesn't help. There's a lot going on. And if you're saying, oh, let's wipe the slate clean, let's begin again. And then the, the, the very second you say that it's, oh, well, let's have a look back at all the other stuff you did in your career. There's, you need the balance. And it's not quite there. But I do think it's, it does a very good job of humanizing someone that's very hard to relate to because of how big of a platform they've got. Um, Taylor Swift, I do think, like, you know, when you see, like, her obvious PR team announcements and stuff like that, it feels heartfelt. It feels genuine. Which, I mean, you can spot things like that from a mile off. You know, Nick Cave with his 
diary entries on, I get emails from him every other week saying, oh, this is my new red hand injury. And it feels genuine. It feels like an actual connection with an artist who was otherwise difficult to connect with. So I've got a lot of appreciation from Harry Styles with the As It Was Tour where they are huge arena shows, but he's made them feel very homely. Now, I've not seen Taylor Swift live because I'm not paying £100 for a ticket to see Taylor Swift in a city that's three hours away from me. However, there is something to be said for how she connects with her audience, and I think Miss Americana is kind of a positive symptom of that. It's, it's something that does give people what they want. At the same time, it feels very genuine. There's no sort of brushstrokes to say this isn't really happening or anything like that. It is straight down the middle. This is Taylor Swift. And it does well. It's just very shaky. At the same time, I think this is uh, a movie that is also very clear in trying to say, fans, please just act normal. I mean, (laughs) yes, it goes into stalking and such that are very serious, but also like core memory is that proposal scene. And just an example of just like how horribly awkward fan interactions can be. I cannot imagine being a celebrity and going through that. And it's just like the worst possible like outcome of just like awkwardness for Taylor and like I appreciate that like that made the cut because I feel like a lot of times that wouldn't make the cut and it's just like don't do that I'd love to not psychoanalyze a massive Taylor Swift fan but like really like understand like I mean I can't talk like my favorite bands pulled us on three times this year but I wasn't crying or screaming like oh my god Josh Cock is on the stage in front of me it's like there has to be a degree of respect that some people lack for the artists that they say they love. Um, yeah. You see it all the time, though. You see this, like Matt Healy from the 1975. That's such a huge example now because the man feeds off of controversy, but he does it intentionally, yeah. and I think it's really just a fascinating experiment that he's doing. He's doing what Alex Turner from Arctic Monkeys wishes he could do, right. but with worse music. Um, but you, <laughs> you just had to bring Matt like, Healy up on this podcast. Uh, you know what? I've 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 grown. He's grown on me a little bit, just a, a smidge. Um, <laughs> but but the whole, I mean, like Taylor Swift, for instance. You know, you look at the fans, and like you said, that the, the certain clips in this movie is um, questionable. But every now and then, you will get like I, I got TikTok recently. The um, the TikToks on on. Uh, Right. I put it on my phone. Um, yeah, I've got uh, TikTok. So you go on uh, TikTok and you get all these reels and every now and then you'll get one and it's a fucking nutcase of a fan going, oh, I've tattooed Taylor Swift's album discography onto my forehead. Will you sign this, please? And it's like, no, absolutely not. That's not normal behavior. You know it's not normal behavior. And it's I always wonder what the sort of thinking behind that is. Like what's sure. the I like I get like the bar like the barrier conversation, get in front row for these gigs. I get it. But they're not gonna acknowledge you in the same way that you acknowledge them. And it's that mental separation that Miss Americana does really hard and tries to hammer it home saying, Stop fucking being weird, please. People aren't gonna I stop mean, being weird. But Right. It's serious. I mean, there's people who go to Eras Tour. It's not like a medical condition that some people go to Eras Tour and get so excited that they lose memory of the concert. It's as powerful, like, it's in the opposite direction of, like, PTSD, where you repress yeah. the memories. It's so powerful on the other side that people genuinely are like, I don't remember going to the concert. It's, like, on Wikipedia. So That's some insane. people don't I mean, really... I, I, I have that same issue, but usually it's because I'm drunk. 
<laughs> right. Like, <laughs> well, that was my first I've thought. Been... I thought, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to plenty of gigs that I don't remember, but I remember the aftershock. I ended up in a bar at three in the morning drinking martinis, and security came up and said, it's, it's closed now. I've got to leave. It's like, oh, I see. Excellent. Hey, it I happens. I had 30 you know? mozzarella balls from McDonald's that night. I had the time of my life. But I don't think you guys have uh, mozzarella I mean, balls. That's my biggest takeaway from the story. <laughs> oh, they were fantastic. The we don't have that here. I, I thought so. I was talking to my mate about this. We had a good half hour chat about what Americans do and don't have at McDonald's. And I didn't realize you don't get the mozzarella ones. You're missing out. UK tour for those, honestly. But it well, was, me and my um, friend have, not to bring up Matt Healy, me and my friend have a long running joke that we want to see the 1975 live in the O2. <laughs> so maybe when we do that. I am... Um, I got I got offered an interview with Matt Healy about a year and a you, half oh, ago. Oh, biggest no, mistake of your life not to take cause, it because I wanted to go to the pub. <laughs> I do. This is giving it. when I, I at um, Comic Con was invited to a private brunch by Ezra Miller, and like I really could have. You really, could you know, have said, don't do flash. I really could have. <laughs> you could have. You were the man that could have stopped those baby microwave clips on Twitter. You know how many right. times I'm about to see that on my timeline. It's the amount well, of times I've seen, like, it's when, you know, I don't mean to knock people that have real love and interest in things, because I'm a husk and I don't have interest in anything anymore. But when you see the TikToks of people recording themselves at the gig, and she's not even on the stage yet, but they're sobbing, they're fucking weeping, and they're, like, in a state of, like, complete euphoria. And it's like, if I could have a crumb of that happiness, I would not be using it here. I would be doing something else with it. I wouldn't be yeah. crying, because I've seen... To be fair, that set list is extraordinary. I think it's really good. However, yeah. I've seen some of my favourite artists live. I've had the pleasure of interviewing them. I've not cried. But I think that's just a British thing, isn't it? It's, you know, stiff up a lip type. It might be. Now that I've, got, I've got my jaw We're a lot more so emotional. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say with, going back to the documentary, one last thing yeah. really is like, I do think that this is a documentary documentary that its message has aged incredibly well considering yes. this really ends on this cliffhanger of like what's to come of this career i've been open i've been political am i gonna lose it all or and she even kind of predicts she's like well i think this is like my moment right now and it's like girl you just wait for what's coming yeah. um I, I think that is an incredibly hopeful and inspiring thing granted there's a lot you can pick apart with swift's actions um especially like her support of the lgbtq plus community i think is very strange i do appreciate when she said um and i quote like oh in the video i want it just be what's entirely me gay pride you know that's me and i was like well that's okay that's a weird choice taylor but <laughs> love that for you i guess um and then on the heiress <laughs> tour to be queen. silent <laughs> yeah right i was like yes um <laughs> Odd, odd things, especially with how that's aged with some of her comments. But like, you know what? Valid. Um, but I think overall, when you look at this documentary, with age, seeing the Eras tour, seeing the success of all these albums, seeing her, I mean, really have the second wave of just like blowing up to be the biggest artist. Um, that's an incredibly inspiring message. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. If she like lost every, because it's kind of sad because she loses the election that she was influencing. Still, that woman's still in office. Like that's depressing. Um, but I was like, oh, if she lost everything, this would have just been like a haunting look at like why you never speak your mind. <laughs> but <laughs> good that it yeah. didn't. It's um, it's what you brought up about this being a second wave, and that's spot on. Where it's you look at. You know, from the debut Taylor Swift album, the self-titled one, all the way to, I'd say, about reputation. 
it feels very scarce though. She's still trying to find a place in what her sound is. And I'm not saying she's found it yet, but I do think we are closer to realising what the Taylor Swift album is with stuff like Folklore, with Parts of Midnight. And now that she's doing the Taylor's version, I know they're just to, you know, get it into her own hands. But you look at Red and the Deep Cuts, the stuff with Phoebe Bridges, the stuff with Lana Del Rey, mm. it's starting to all come together. It's starting to kind of like click in my brain what's left of it, where it's like it's starting to fire and it's it's getting good and it's, Miss Americana, it does feel like a precursor. It's like the calm before the storm. And it's yeah. it's always nice when a Taylor Swift album releases. Because I've, I've reviewed a couple of Taylor Swift albums, but I've only published one. But it's it's always a pleasure to read a Taylor Swift yeah. review. And to be yeah, fair, always like, have... Midnight's got fucking slated. And I don't think that's fair. Yeah, like it, It's definitely not her worst album. It's actually quite good. Yeah, I think the thing with Taylor Swift, at least my experience has been with pretty much every one of her albums, is that they take time to grow on you. I mean, even yeah. like Evermore Folklore, the first time I listened, I was like, oh, it's good. I don't know like if it's really like great. And then you listen to it and you're like over and over and you're like, oh, it's amazing. Same with Midnight. The first listen, I was very like, oh, what are we doing here, Taylor? Um, so I, I think that a lot of people like the initial listen for me, at least, and I assume it's for others don't necessarily do Taylor Swift well. Um, yeah. But I guess that's also just one of the things unique with like reviewing and criticism is like, you always have to do your initial take and it's like, well, art sometimes grows on people. So yeah, I think 90% of the initial takes I have are horribly wrong. Um, right. <laughs> I, I would still maintain red is one of the best albums though, mainly because it's got, um, I knew you were trouble on there, which is if it weren't for heartbreak kid, it would be a best song. Right. What's your favorite? Um, so you said your favorite album was either Reputation or, or, or no, sorry, it was either Love Folklore, or Folklore. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd say Folklore. I think that just tips it because I, I absolutely love Betty as a song. Yeah, like, right towards the end of the album's lovely, and then it just nicely works into Peace and Hawks, top stuff. And Seven's a wonderful song as well. But I feel like Lover was. I mean, obviously Folklore, it, it kind of gets bashed about as like a lockdown project. You know what I mean? Where it sure. was like she did it at home. Fair enough very stripped back, very acoustic, where the production of Lover is huge. It's massive. You've got celebrities all over the place, but you've also got Miss America and the Heartbreak Prince, which is probably her most fulfilled song creatively. Yeah. Just, yeah, that's the one there. And even then, stuff like, you know, Me or Cornelia Street is just wonderful stuff. It's really, oh, yeah. really incredibly written. Um, and yeah. I don't think um, Taylor Swift gets enough credit for obviously her writing or whether or not she uses a team or whatever, the lyrics yeah. are there and present and they don't feel commercially driven, which is a very rare thing to get for someone that tops the charts almost always is that nice quality divide of this is a deeply personal track that she's actually put a lot of thought into and the production matches that. And this is an extremely popular song. You don't quite get that matchup anymore. It's usually one or the other these days, especially in the UK charts. So to see that consistently, even if it's kind of, oh, well, that's a bit half-baked or that could be better. It's just the fact that the effort is there. I appreciate that more from a megastar like Taylor Swift because it's, it's very easy to slide back and just say, well, the, I know what people want now. I'll just do that over and over. But it does feel like Taylor Swift is always challenging. I think that's the, the takeaway from Miss Americana, really, is she's always trying to progress her image, not for the sake of brand appeal, but for the sake of keeping it interesting because you do get artists that are they'll hit a successful vein sap it up and then that's it they've got nothing else to show for it and there are too many bands in the uk that are very popular that still do that 
it's like when Arctic Monkeys get criticised for not doing the stuff they did in 2013 anymore. And then you look at the bands that have done the same stuff since 2013 and you wonder which ones are more successful. It's like the ones with the one-hit wonders are the ones who did the car. You know, it's terrible. For sure. I think for me, it would be between... I mean, I do love folklore. I love I love the sound of that evermore. I really wish oh. we got a third album with that like idea. Um, for me, it would either be Reputation or Lover. I think they're both spectacular yeah. albums. Outside of the Ed Sheeran track on Reputation, I think that's like <laughs> damn near flawless. Um, but Lover is so good. I mean, Lover is like undeniably good, I think. Like every single yeah. song pretty much on that. So it'd be one of those two for me. Um, do you have anything left you would like to say about Miss Americana before we wrap things up today? Um, no, other than that, I really appreciate the fact that Miss Americana is sort of a dying breed of what music journalism and documentary should be. There are very few like that. Selena Gomez had a documentary released last year and it wasn't up to scratch for who she is as a person or an artist. The same goes for so many artists that are getting documentaries made about them now. And mm-hmm. the issue is that they're a bit shy of being really honest and open with fans yeah. that will tear them apart regardless of what they say. So to see the earnestness and the openness from Taylor Swift on this was really quite touching. It's it's a messy documentary. You're absolutely correct with that, but it is an yeah. honest one at the very least. And it, it's hard to come by those, especially for people that are that big and have that much brand and money to protect. Yeah. And also life is messy. You know, if you're going to capture sure. the honesty of life and honesty, that's that's how it is. Um, so you can go ahead and stream Miss Americana on Netflix um, and stream Taylor's music, Taylor's version, ideally, um, wherever you can. Um, Ewan, for our question of the week today, I'm going to ask you what Taylor Swift song, because she is starting to mm-hmm. dive into the realm mm-hmm. of cinema. We had the all too well 10 minute version, uh, the short film. Yeah. That everyone lied was going to be nominated for an Oscar, and it wasn't. Weird, everyone. Almost like they were doing that. For, almost like they were saying that for clicks. Um, no. What Taylor Swift song would you like to see turn into a narrative feature adapted? What What should Taylor turn to? I tell you what. I think for adapting her songs, you got to go back to the old ones, the really old ones. Because I, I think the the thing about Speak Now, the the Taylor's version, is essentially. She's looking at her old work through a new perspective now, and you don't get the chance to do that with many artists. And I really appreciate that, you know, it's for contractual reasons or whatever she's trying to do to reclaim the songs. But there is a chance for reflection, which most musicians try and shy away from, but Taylor Swift has been forced into this recollection of her old songs and demos, which has been a wonderful experience. And people are revisiting these and thinking, oh, these actually sound better than I remember. If you could take Speak Now, maybe, you know, Enchanted, well, Enchanted's already a film, isn't it? Um, DJ, that's also already a film, isn't it? Um, take Haunted uh, Mansion sure. in Mud. Uh, do <laughs> that's what it's based oh. on, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, we'll, we'll take a different album entirely. Um, I, I actually think it's like you know, there's I hate to say it because it's one of the more typical tracks for Taylor Swift, one of the more stereotypes sure. of oh, why do you listen to Taylor Swift? This is all she does, but I knew you were trouble, I think it would make an excellent movie. Yeah. If you took that in the right swing of things, just a proper anti-rom-com, but without the comedy, you know? Yeah. A bit like, um, you know, when, when it's not a happy ending, when they, when they realise they're better off alone rather than together. Something like that. Yeah. Which is why I watch yeah. daily. Yeah. <laughs> kind of in the same vein, I think that I'm going to go with Tis the Damn Season. I, I almost Ooh. went... 
Welcome to New York, not because of a narrative, but just like I think the vibe of that song is so powerful. And I think back to when Secret Life of Pets, shout out, opens that song with like this gorgeous animation, weirdly gorgeous animation of New York City. And every time I'm just like pumped, I'm like, that's cinema. Um, But I think Tis the Damn Season has a lot to offer narratively. Um, I think if you get the right person behind that and just this idea of like having someone... I, I think it, I think it would just work well. Um, but shout out Secret Life of Pets. Um, not a great film, but great opening and weirdly great animation. Except the ride at Universal sucks. I'll say that. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Um, I remember watching that when I had food poisoning. It doesn't make sense sober either. <laughs> um, maybe one day we'll cover on Clapper. You know, let us know. Email us <laughs> if you really want our Secret Life of Pets double feature episode. Um, with that, let's go to our rapid reviews. This is just our time to talk about literally anything you've seen, old or new, good or bad, just something to mention. Ewan, what do you have for your rapid review this week? i tell you what, I've got Asteroid City now. I only say that because it's one of the three Ooh. films I've seen this month. Um, big Wes Anderson fan, really love Asteroid City. Um, a little better than The French Dispatch, a little worse than most of the other films he's done, but the soundtrack is oh, it's beautiful. You've got Jarvis yep. Cocker and Richard Hawley tearing up on there. You've got a nice little cameo from one of them. It, it it is a wonderful film. It feels like Wes Anderson's back at like that sort of. He's pivoted away from chessboard revolutions with Timothy Chalamet helming them to Aren't Aliens Funny and Strange, which is nice because that suits him a bit better. The lighter stuff really yeah. really pops for him, and it, it was just a fun watch. I, I had a really nice time watching that, and then obviously I did Barbie and Oppenheimer, Barb and Heimer, right. um, while I was definitely ill. In the same day, I love it. Um, I ate half a chicken between the screenings <laughs> of both films, and then I fell asleep for the first twenty minutes of Oppenheimer because I was violently sick. I was feeling grim. The peri peri sauce at Nando's sure. did not help, um, but I powered through. Saw the creation of the, sure. the atom bomb, and I'm better for it. It's it's an alright movie. It's fine. Uh, people were going mad about it at the screen. Like, oh my god, it's amazing. It's like. Ah, but it's not Memento, is it? It's not Inception. Well, actually, it's, it's like on par with Inception. It's all right. It's like a seven out of ten. And Barbie, Barbie was fun. Barbie was just good fun. Um, sure. I went on a date to see that, and they turned to me and said, "You're such an Alan," and I don't really know how to take that, but I've taken <laughs> that's it. The crazy. That's the craziest thing to say to someone on a date. <laughs> they just leaned over and were like, "You're such an Alan." It's like, fuck. I, I'll take a comparison to Michael Sarah. I just love that Barbie as well has released and made all this money and Mattel have gone, oh no, we're not making these characters again. They're like, oh, but there's a yeah. high demand you can make a lot of money. It's like, no, fuck off. Alan is retired and that's that. He's staying that way. We're not bringing right. him back. Such right. an we're move. not bringing back a gay doll. Hell no. <laughs> Instead, we're going to make 14 more films including our Uno movie to make a cinematic oh, universe. We need Play-Doh the movie. I can't watch that. I'm allergic to Play-Doh. <laughs> what a bummer. I don't think yeah, I've ever played with Play-Doh. I, I, I don't think I ever did the. Pl- I don't. <laughs> you eat well. Yeah. No, no, not eat it. I mean, like, just. Like, <laughs> I don't eat Play-Doh anymore. I mean, at all. But. You put that back in 2015. <laughs> when was the last time I ate Play-Doh? Maybe about four months ago. Wow. Good job. Smell like Play-Doh. It fucking stinks. <laughs> four oh, months over. <laughs> four months Play-Doh free. Um. <laughs> Um, for me, I've been revisiting Neil Blomkamp. He has a new film coming Ooh. out, and we're doing our District 9 clapper, um, Patreon recording for this month. Yes. 
um dates are hard um so I, i'll just say uh i finally watched demonic which is the film no one knows he made in 2021 i believe um oh shit yeah it's awful um has the production quality genuinely of a hallmark film yet the plot of serenity the one where the guy is in the video game it turns out um just terrible like genuinely just embarrassing um though i also rewatched chappy last night didn't like it holding on hope i've never seen district nine so i'm hoping i like it um but this director is so far not doing great for me um but we'll see um, with that, that's going to do this episode <laughs> of Clappercast. Uh, Ewan, where can we find you on social media? Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd um, at Ewan Gledo, E-W-A-N-G-L-E-A-D-O-W. I also, um, what else do I do these days? I don't really do much. Um, What's Twitter? Oh, you mean X? Oh, sorry, X. My my apologies, Mr. Musk. <laughs> Dear me. Um, yeah, you can find me on X.com. Uh, at E-W-A-N-G-L-E-D-O-W-X um, and Instagram as Do well. not accidentally type in X videos and look no. up you and Gletto. Do not do that, no. Do not do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Very bad. Don't do that. We all got to make rent somehow, but don't do that. <laughs> I promise nothing will come up. But Twitter... X, but don't look, just in case. Don't look, don't look. Um. <laughs> great yeah you should check out Ewan you can find me on X or Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews letterbox Carson Tamar email us clappercast at gmail.com um, I don't know watch our stuff You, if you're watching this you're watching us already so I don't know why I tell you every episode to watch us but thank you we'll see you next time <laughs> bye <laughs>